Up next on Inside the SCCA, from time trials to Pikes Peak. Welcome to Inside the SCCA. I'm Brian Belansky, and we are here with uh, someone who I stumbled upon on the interwebs. And I've seen her name out there a couple of times. And uh, as we, as you all like to know, I, I try to get uh, cover all the different, uh, all the different programs in the SCCA. Um, we do focus a lot on road racing, but I do work hard to do stuff on time trials and solo and road rally and and uh, track night in America and all those other things. Working all the different specialties. And uh, I, I said, I said, okay, we, we've got to, we're at the start of the year now. We got to get everybody in. So let's see who I can find to talk about time trials. And then you popped up on my on my on my Facebook on on, on the Facebook, uh, Ryan. And uh, I'm going to Pikes Peak. I'm like, oh, <laughs> there's my time trial person and hill climb person, um, Ryan Cheek. Welcome to the show. Hi, thank you for having me, Brian. Uh, it's going to be fun. I'm looking forward to it. So uh, you are sitting in Asheville, North Carolina, beautiful part of the country, especially if you like doing hill climbs, right? I think so. <laughs> Absolutely. All right. So we start the show, every show, with the same first question. This, I guess, will be the second question because I already asked you one question. But uh, but this is the standard first question, and it is, how did you get mixed up in this crazy sport that we love? Oh my goodness. Um, there's a lot of different avenues, but they all brought me here to motorsports. Um, I think the biggest proponent would be my current husband. Uh, he saw how I drove on the street in my regular street car and said, we need to find an outlet for this type of driving. Um, you're going to cost us a lot of money in tickets and you could definitely get hurt. So um, he got me hooked up with a local autocross club. Nice. So I started in autocross. Nice. So nothing as a kid, your your dad or your mom weren't involved in motorsports at all. Just uh, your hubby got you into it. I love it. That's awesome. So yeah. when I met my wife and uh, we started dating back in the day, uh, she she also had Mustangs. There's a long story about that that if I told it on the air, she'd kill me. So I won't tell the whole story. Um, but we were going home from work one night, and I had left a few minutes ahead of her. And I was heading up Georgia 400 and uh, to, to go to wherever we were going for a bite to eat or a drink or whatever. And uh, I saw these two headlights coming up in my rearview mirror, and this car was booking. And I'm like, it's got to be a Georgia State Trooper or a, a local police officer. Cause who, and, and this car goes flying back, and it was my future wife. And, and, and I immediately started referring to her as Maria Andretti. So um, uh, she also has a bit, of a, uh, a bit of a heavy foot. So I completely understand. But she never got hooked on the motorsports stuff. So um, maybe we'll change that. Maybe I need to get her to an autocross. That might be fun. That would be very fun. Um, so, so how long ago was that when you started? So when I'm your husband said it's time to go to an autocross. So I think that was in two thousand and nine. Okay. So I had um, just like a little three series BMW mm -hmm. uh, E forty six, 
And I tried it out. I really thought I was so fast because, you know, <laughs> I mean, I could run up and down the interstate very quickly and I was good at it. Sure. And then I found out I wasn't fast at the autocross. <laughs> so, um, you know, I didn't autocross a whole bunch, but I did get linked up with like the BMW Car Club of America. And I started the South Carolina Performance Center. It's just about an hour and a half from my house. So I would go down there and we would do some autocrosses. But you know, I didn't really like get heavily into autocrossing until 2017, actually. So, I mean, I took a, I took a break, but I would say that was where I really started to find my passion in cars and motorsport. So did your, did your husband have a background in motorsports? How did he find us? Um, I, he's always been a fan of racing. His, his family's not into it. He, he's never raced. He has no desire to race. Um, he just, he liked watching racing. He saw my driving. I, you know, maybe he said, he said I had potential if we could channel it. So, <laughs> um, you know, and I, I think he just wanted me to be safe and not have crazy expensive insurance. Right. I, <laughs> I, I understand that completely. So does he participate at all now or does he just help you with your stuff? He's my crew chief. He was originally my photographer. He knows how to work on cars very well, so he's been teaching me when I decided to build the white Mustang. But for the most part, he's the one under the cars, making sure everything's great, telling me I'm good, you know, checking on my mental health on race weekends. And he's just, you know, he's all around. He's the best. (laughs) That's fantastic. Uh, Jay Curry is in the chat, says, hey, Ryan. Gary DeCizio says, greetings from Low Country, South Carolina. Um, I know about Low Country, South Carolina, because they got some good food there. Um, loving loving that. Welcome, J- uh, Gary and, and Jay Curry. If you have any questions for Ryan, put them in the chat. I'll be happy to try to get your questions here. Um, so when you got to that first autocross, you, you're, all, you're all that and then some in your head. Um, oh, yeah. t- tell me about that first run. Um, you don't realize how much speed you're carrying, so you definitely just blow that first braking zone. How many cones? And, um, I don't think I hit cones because I think it was a very well set up oh, okay. autocross. But um, you know, my all seasons weren't amazing. Surprise. <laughs> so and and it was a stock suspension, uh, two point five liter right. inline six wasn't pushing more than one hundred seventy horsepower, so. I was, uh, I, I really, really, uh, went home with my tail between my legs, I guess you could say, but, um, but did, you know, it, did you have it, fun? Uh, it, it, it inspired me to get better. You yeah. know, I was like, okay, well, I don't want to stop. So let's, let's go learn some more. It, and how many runs did it take you to get hooked? Oh, I think it was like the first one Yeah, being able to drive at the limit in a safe environment. It was just okay, and then everybody there is helping you and really, really nice, and and then you're seeing the cars that are fast, which is exciting to watch and hear and right. and hear people talk this jargon you've never heard in your life. So you know, it was just it was just a you know an instant attraction, I guess you could say. So let's give a shout out to that first region that you did that first autocross with, because if they had treated you poorly, you wouldn't have come back. So who was it? That's true. 
That was the Highland Sports Car Club here in Western North Carolina. Okay. And they do they do participate in uh, the North Carolina Autocross Championships, which does involve like uh, Central Carolina region, sure. North Carolina region. Uh, so different autocross clubs across the state. So 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 between the first autocross and the second autocross, what were what were the mods on the car? Because everyone shows up in the second one with something new. I don't think I showed up with anything new. Okay. Um, it was just just getting back out there, maybe a little more concentration on tire pressures, um, you know, just having a good time. Like I said, I was awful, and I didn't really stick with it locally for a long time, you know, like consistently. So, you know, I met some people, met BMW people, and started going and and playing and and just in kind of enjoying more of the car culture instead of the motorsports culture. Right, right, right. Um, so you certainly went with some knowledge because you get you picked up some knowledge in that first autocross. My guess is you went home and and went on the Google or the YouTube and tried to learn some stuff there. Although 2009, how much of that was out there at that point in time? Probably not much, right? There wasn't much, you know. Lo- luckily. The, the president of the club at the time worked at the local tire shop. So that was somebody I could kind of pick their brain a little bit. But, um, you know, not not a ton of stuff out there. Right, right. So I, I feel your pain on the all-season tires because when, uh, when I decided to go and do solo nationals this year, uh, or last year, I, I ordered a set of tires and I had not done an autocross in in twenty plus years, um, nineteen ninety, late nineteen nineties, early or early nineteen nineties, and so I ordered some tires. Um, still not the stickiest tires in the world, but they were a whole lot better than the all season tires I had in my car. And of course, they were supposed to be there the the Thursday before the weekend, and uh, and uh, they didn't show up. And then they then it was Friday, and and they they didn't show up. So I went on my all-season tires, and I had the slowest car and the slowest cat class with the slowest tires, and it was terribly frustrating. Um, but a month later, I went back out and did it again with the, with the good tires, the better tires, and oh my gosh, what a difference good tires make, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. Like, you know, having not a very well-set-up car can kind of set you up for success once you get the well-set-up car, or, you know, all-seasons can kind of set you up for being even better once you get a grippy tire. Yeah, I think there was, I certainly had learning to do, uh, even with the all seasons, because, you know, I had to figure out how, how things, what has changed since I did it 20 years ago, 25 years ago, um, different terminology. When I, when I did it, there was no, uh, nobody with, with bug sprayers, you know, putting water on their tires to cool them down. And in Southern California, my first two autocrosses, the temperature both days was above a hundred degrees. So uh, it, I had no dry idea. Heat, right? It was a dry heat. It is a dry it's heat. It's still it's still dang hot, by the way. Uh, for for those of you like me who are from the East Coast, dry heat, wet heat, just it's still hot. Um, but anyway, so I saw people with these with these bug sprays. I'm like, what in the world is going on? And then I found out what they were doing. I started learn a little bit about that, and I realized I'm still not going to be fast enough to worry about spraying down my tires just yet. Um, so I, I, I skipped that part, but a lot of stuff has changed. So I had learning to do. Um, and, uh, so, so what was your experience on the second weekend? (laughs) The next time that I went autocrossing, um, 
you know, I think I had started moving on from Highlands and was doing it at the Performance Center, which is on their test track that for they've set up some cones. So it's a lot more high speed. Sure. Um, you've got uh, the Performance Center instructors kind of there on hand, taking people for hot laps. So I rode with some people, kind of figured out, you know, there's there's a finesse to driving really hard and fast and and also like in a small space. So like having to right. take really sharp left-hand turns or really sharp right-hand turns, you know? So um, the the second time and really getting back out there, I still sucked, but <laughs> I was having a lot more fun because I was understanding why I was sure. sucking. <laughs> sure. And that's a big part of it, you know, is once you learn where you're slow, then you can start to focus on those types of things. So, um, so that was in the BMW. I see. I don't see BMWs behind you now, though. Um, no. <laughs> when, when did? Uh, how long did you do? Did you do hill climbs in the BMW also, or was this in time trials, or was it just autocross with the BMW? So it was just a. It was mainly just a couple local ones in 2009. Then I got involved with the the BMW club, mm -hmm. and then it became more like car shows. The car ended up getting a completely new paint job, which I also, uh, I did a lot of the work here in this garage and I had a professional teach me how to spray paint and the car nice. became a show car. Um, nice. And I really didn't pick it back up until I got this blue Mustang. I'm all confused. <laughs> <laughs> all right. no, until I got pink over here, my blue Mustang, which was in 2016. So my first like, I'm going to autocross consistently was in 2017. Okay. So how did your blue Mustang get named Pink? Uh, his name's Hank. Oh, Hank. I and, thought you said Pink. Okay. Yeah. That's his affectionate name. His full name is Henry McCoy. And uh, just goes by Hank for short, and which is. Is there a story between, between, behind Henry McCoy? And, and well, can it be told on the... He's a blue beast, and I'm a dork, and I like X-Men. Okay. So he's named after the beast on X-Men. Very cool. So when you stepped up to the Mustang, what was that like? It was really um, exhilarating and emotional. I had become very, very involved in the BMW world, but I had this older car. It had a lot of miles. The maintenance was becoming too much. Uh, the car broke down. I lost my job. And, you know, I, I just was having like, it felt like a whole new, like, just cycle in my life, I guess you could say. And I needed a new car and I wanted an M car and there was no way I could afford the M car I wanted. Right. Like the M2 was the car at the time. And um, Top Gear, Jeremy Clarkson had been raving about the new S550 Mustang. And right. I did think it looked really, really good. But, uh, you know, I went and decided to test drive one and I wore all my BMW gear like a good BMW <laughs> person would, you know, shirt, earrings, everything. I went in not wanting it, not wanting to like it. And then I drove it and the the power, the torque, it and the luxury because it's I got a, a premium performance pack, so it's got heated and cooled seats, it's got all the bells and whistles, basically. <laughs> and uh, so it it was pretty, 
freaking amazing. I was like, this is awesome. Yeah. <laughs> I felt really, you know, coming from a 99 BMW to a 2017 Mustang GT was, I felt like I had won the lottery basically. Very nice. And and when you rolled up to your first autocross with that, now you got a whole different learning curve, right? Oh, I did. Yes. We did a lot of different things. We didn't blow braking zones. We blew every other zone. It was <laughs> It was all over the place. Um, the car, the car was a lot. It was a lot to handle, but you know, um, it it taught you. It taught me a lot, and it, it really gave me a greater appreciation for what I'm capable of behind the wheel and what the cars are capable of. Did you have any coaches or mentors trying to help you through that process? Any right seat people that you want to shout out to? I think all of Highland Sports Car Club, uh, the dedicated drivers, they they were in the right seat with me all the time. You know, you get there early, you hang out, you you do your pressures, you kind of set some stuff up on your car, and you're chatting and you're talking and you're you're getting a plan for how it's going to go. So I, I would have to just say that it would be the whole Highland Sports Car Club. Nice, nice, nice. So, and now we've got, I see another Mustang behind you. There's a story behind that one, I'm sure. Yeah. So, um, did autocross for a couple of years. I started getting more opportunities to expand and try different kind of motorsports. Obviously, I had to try drag racing, which wasn't for me, but it was fun. Sure. Um, And then I was able to do a track cross at the National Corvette Museum's Motorsports Park. And that felt really cool. So it was basically like half the track, but they would put a chicane on the straight to just keep you at slower speed. And then I got the opportunity to come back and do their HPDI program, which is a lead follow instruction base, but they really focus on teaching you track etiquette, the flags, how to come on and off track, what to do if you have an issue on, like it's just, a really great core basic um, class. And I loved it, except for a car spun out on track behind me. And it just kind of woke me up and said, anything can happen on track. Yep. And I'm in here in my street car that wasn't paid off. You know, I did put Haggerty insurance <laughs> on it, but, right. uh, you know, I'm just in a street car going 140 miles an hour on the street. So, Anything could happen, and I really decided that I needed to focus on safety if I was really going to get on the track. Sure. So um ended up kind of taking some time off from tracking, but once I came back, I was looking for – I knew I wanted a Mustang. And so I kind of found out that the 4.6 3-valve GT, 05 to 2000. Uh-oh. Big rate. I lost your microphone for a second. Did we go? Are you back? Yeah, we're good. Are we back? We're good. Okay. So I found uh, the S197 05 to 2010 was a really great price point. Parts I could probably buy anywhere at local auto parts stores. And it had a good, it had a good power band, you know, and I could race it in a lot of different places. Right. So is that the S195? S197. S197. Okay. So that's the, the base of the new club spec. It absolutely is. Okay. Yep. So what did you? What have you done to that? Because it does look like it's got some stuff on it. 
So it's been through a few renditions. When I first got it, I put basically just like Ford Performance uh, street handling kind of package, which is it, it's basically what comes on the club spec right now. Um, it's the Shelby suspension. Like if you bought a S197 Shelby, it's basically the same suspension. And okay. um, it did very good for you know, a year or so, and I liked it, but I was seeing some things that I didn't like on track with it. So I ended up upgrading and it's now got MCS coilovers, two-way adjustable coilovers. Uh I mean, and then this past year we built the motor. So now it's a five liter, three valve. Um, It's got 410 final drive. It's got a tick performance T56 Magnum road race transmission. It's got a Boss 302 electronic steering rack. It's got a four-point roll bar, <laughs> safety. So, you know, it, she's she's been through some renditions since 2020. Right. But as she sits right now, I'm pretty proud of her. So when you started with it, what was, the, what was it classed as? So when I bought the car... My plan was to work my way up to wheel to wheel with another club. Okay. That was, I bought the car, I put the parts on it that I could that would fit it into the class. And then I went to that organization and I did HPDE1 with them and I didn't love it. And then COVID hit. Right. So it was like the weekend we got back from that event excuse me, um, COVID hit. And now I've got a car. I just spent like all winter building (laughs) and nowhere to race it. And the only event that was open was the Chasing the Dragon Hill Climb Mm. in 2020. And I have all the safety. So I called up a friend who was one of the founding people that uh, organized the, the Dragon Hill Climb. And I said, do you think... I could do this. Do you think I could run it on? He's like, just drive it. It's just a road. Just go do it as fast or as slow as you want. You're going to have a blast. Go do it. And I did. And I was hooked. I mean, that was <laughs> that was it. Driving back roads has always been my thing since I've gotten my license. So now here I am getting across the double yellow. I got people looking out for me and just falls out all the way up the mountain. It was great. All right, so I just put, I don't know if that is the run that you sent me, but I've put one of your runs at the uh, at the Dragon Hill Climb up on the screen now. So, um, and uh, I've never done a hill climb. So another list of things on my bucket list that I'd like to try to do some point. We don't have many out here on the West Coast. So, and uh, and back when I was on the East Coast, I didn't, I didn't really know much about them, and, and I don't even know how many there were back in the day. So, um so that was your first foray into hill climb. How was that? It was amazing. Um, I was proud of myself. I wasn't anywhere in a competitive time at all. Um, but, you know, I I drove it. I felt very well for my first time, and I really, really loved it. The culture is is something, I mean, I had already loved my my autocross club i loved my motor like my uh the car culture of like car shows and the bmw club but being on the side of a mountain 
30 miles away from town. It is just, it's just a completely different feeling. It's just a completely different atmosphere. Uh, you paddock on the side of the road and you're all really, really close because there's nowhere to park your trailer. So you're like bumper to bumper to bumper next to everybody. And, you know, you, you kind of start walking up the road and everybody's like, good morning. How are you? How's it going? You know, just, just the nicest people in the world. So yeah. I, I was absolutely hooked. Like I, I knew that this was the thing that that was, that was my jam. And what year was that? That was 2020. Okay. So it was July of 2020. And while I was there, I met Hayward Wagner. And uh, it's always Hayward's was, fault. It is always Hayward's fault. <laughs> <laughs> and so he kind of, he's like, you're having a really good time. What else do you do with the car? And I'm like, this is my first thing I've ever done. You know, like, yeah. he said, have you ever heard of time trials? And I didn't know what that was really. I had heard of time trials in, just in a broad sense, but not SCCA time trials. And he invited me to time trials and nationals. So I stepped away from, I finished my first hill climb and then went to time trials and nationals as my first time trials. Right. <laughs> and uh, first time competitively on track all alone. It was awesome. It was amazing. Yeah. Yeah. So just talking for a second back about club spec, um, um, I, oh, wrong button. Sorry. Hate when I do that. Um, so the, the club spec program is, is for those who might not know, cause I think we might have some people watching this who aren't familiar with all the stuff that we do in the SCCA. Um, it is a very specific, uh, parts package with that. And, um, you, there, you can go to the SCCA website and find that. And, um, uh, it was sourced by Sam Strano down in Florida, I believe is where Sam's at. And uh, it's got a spe sp uh, specific wheel tire package. Um, obviously, the idea is to have all the cars be identical as much as possible so that it just becomes driver against driver. So, um, And uh, I want to thank Gary DeCicio for mentioning that. Um, don't want to make want to make sure we don't send people astray uh, with the information. But um, uh, so, yeah, pretty cool. And um, um, Gizmo Trains ask, who's Hayward? For those people who don't know Hayward, Hayward is the head of uh, SCCA's experiential programs. Uh, he's got a big, long title that I can never remember. Um, but uh, uh, he has um, he's from North Carolina region originally. He and I go back many, many years. Uh, I first met uh, Hayward when he was in college and brought all of his friends to Road Atlanta to work races and stuff. And uh, his he is all all in on the time trial, hill climb, autocross stuff, and uh, really kind of one of the biggest cheerleaders for those classes and uh, great guy and uh, always, always helpful and, and all that kind of stuff. But uh, yeah. Um, yeah. Oh, it's the, the Chico, Chico. Sorry, Gary. Uh, <laughs> try to get the names right as much as I possibly can. So, um, so first, first, um, first hill climb was during COVID. And then how many have you done since then? Cause we're getting to a really big moment in this podcast to talk about something you got coming up in June. How many hill climbs have you done? Ballpark. So the, so the dragon is the longest running hill climb in the Southeast. Right. In 2021, they did the first 
Pine Mountain Hill Climb. And then in 2022, that we had our first Flag Rock Hill Climb. And I've, I've been to every hill climb. So I've done four dragons, three Pine Mountains, and ironically enough, three Flag Rocks because we had two last year. So got it. Like 10? Is got that it. 10? Is that good math? Yeah, I'm not close sure. enough. We don't do math on this show, so don't worry about it. <laughs> I'm going to pop up some video from Flag Rock now. Uh, another um, another video in-car camera of you doing the stuff at Flag Rock. So, Okay, so let's fast forward now to my little social media post or your social media post that I saw this week, or maybe it was late last week. Um you're going to go and do one of the things I've always dreamed about doing. And that is the Pikes Peak International Hill Climb. How yeah. how did that come about? Okay. So, <laughs> 2023 probably was my most frustrating year I've ever had. And we could talk about that for hours. And when I say frustrating, I mean, motorsports, car, that right. kind of thing. I still, I still made all my events, but lots, lots of car stuff happened. Um, I ended up kind of finishing the year early. I usually go to road Atlanta in November with Tom trials, national tour. I, I was sick. The car, I just, no, I decided not to go started feeling better and, you know, you know, kind of like moping around that I didn't get to go. And my friends from Ellsworth racing, uh, Bob and Ray, they said, you should come to PRI. And I had heard of PRI. I had never been, I, you know, I didn't really know. I was like, I'm not that, you know, I'm not that serious, I guess about this. You know, I don't know. They're like, it's a blast. There's so much car stuff. You got to go. So they, they really, really talked me into it. They, they were like, we already got a house rented. Just come stay with us. So I ended up going to PRI and while I was there, I'm making posts and on my social media and stuff. And a company reached out to me, Scott and Susan McMillian from American cross cart reached out with just a little quick Facebook message. Like, Hey, are you going to be here tomorrow? Would you like to have a meeting? We'd like to talk about Pikes Peak. <laughs> and I mean, it was, and that was it. Like, you know, and I don't want to scare them off by being like, tell me exactly what you're trying to ask me about Pikes Peak. But I was like, well, of course I'll be there. And um, I ran around the rental house for probably a good 15 minutes. Like, these people want to talk to me about Pikes Peak. I don't know what that means, but this is really exciting. And and then I we had our meeting the next day, and they're super, super nice. And they kind of told me their whole vision and that they were really interested in me driving their cross cart at Pikes Peak in 2024. And I, it was, it was a real, it was kind of like the whole world just like went quiet and I just, <laughs> I just couldn't quite get how this was happening, but I kept shaking my head. Yes. And, and saying, yes, I want to do that. And, you know, not even thinking that I've never seen this cart. I don't really know these people. I, am I even going to be able to do Pikes Peak? Like, Personally, like I just didn't know, but I was like, yes, we're going to go. We're going to do it. <laughs> so, um, you know, we all left PRI. We had a really long conversation the next week on the phone with Scott and Susan and and just got more information about each other. And I, I told them, I was like, I, I'm not as experienced as you may think I am. They're like, no, we've been following you for a couple of years. We 
we know a lot about you. We want you to drive our cart. And so I was like, okay, let's do it. Let's make it happen. So we got our application together, sent it in, and they picked me. <laughs> That's so cool. That is so, so cool. Um, I, so I had never heard of the, the what's it called, the American Cross Cart? Correct. And it's spelled like American X. Cart. Correct. Yeah, yeah. So I looked it up and I did a little of the Google. And um, it looks like a little bit be a cross between a go-kart like a, um, and, and a sprint car. It's kind of the way it, I describe. No wings on it, I don't believe. Um, tell us a little bit about the cart itself. Do you do you have the you have some of the deets on that? I do have some of the deets, and then so you can put like a wing on the back. So you uh, arrow is allowed. It, it, okay. You'll see them on. You'll see them at Pike Speed with a rear wing often. So um, it is a single seater Suzuki GSXR 750cc okay. engine. We are planning on adding forced induction to the cart. Um, actually, American Cross Cart went in 2021 with Johan Schwartz. Right. So, uh, was, so this is an experienced team. They they finished the race, which is great, you know, and and they understand the rigorous active like the rigorous schedule of race week. Um, not many people know that you only get one chance to run the entire mountain and that is on race day right because you, so. you you practice in segments right correct and how many yeah, and so you they usually schedule four days okay and there's three segments and they kind of build in a day just in case the weather's bad or what whatnot and um so you're qualifying is, so they call it practice, but I think they also call it qualifying. Right, right. So you, you've got to wake up in the middle of the night, get all your stuff on the mountain. Then once the sun starts coming up, they start letting the cars run. And then at 830 in the morning, they shut it down and you got to get all your stuff off the mountain. Right. Because this is a, a park. It's yep. open to the public every day except for race day. So it's 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 very rigorous. It is it it is exhausting in itself without even the driving. <laughs> right, right. Um, looking at the chat real quick, and we're going to talk more about uh, Pike Speak here. Gizmo Trains asks, who's looking at the video, asks, is it safe to cross the double line like that? I believe they close the whole mountain down when you do the hill climbs, right? So you get to use the whole road. No, they definitely have traffic coming at you. No, of course they close the whole. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, they close the whole road. It's from point A to point B. You've got flag station and right. corner workers the whole way up, keeping eyes and and uh, watching cars go by and counting that, or you know, making sure they go by the worker stations. There's EV, uh, you know, um, emergency vehicles, fire, right. all right there on site. Tow trucks, everything is is right there. It's, yep. it's actually incredibly well thought out and made as safe as it can be without taking away the excitement of not being the most safest thing you could do. Right. They, right. they don't put down the tree. <laughs> Brian Straczynski is in the chat. He's a friend of the show. Uh, he is Mount Washington. Are you familiar with that hill climb? Is that a, that's not just a, an iRacing thing. That's an actual hill climb, right? Yes. It's up Northeast. Yep. Yep. I believe and, it's in and, Connecticut. And, it's and, an amazing hill climb too. Have you done that one? No. Okay. No, I have. So he I want to. he asks if it's an SCCA sanctioned hill climb, and I believe it is. 
And um, if and since that's the case, yes, the amateurs can do it because that's what we do. So um, I'll I'll double check that, Brian. But I'm I'm pretty darn certain it's just part of a regular SCCA hill climb series. And uh, yes, if you'd like to go do it. Um, take your Formula V up there, Brian, and do it because I I think there's probably even a class for that in a hill climb. So um, that could be a ton of fun. Um, so the whole thing, the, the 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 logistics with going to Pikes Peak, I'm hoping that the people at American X Card are helping you with that, right? So they're going to provide like the cart. They're going to get it there. We are going to be working together up until then so i can get seat time in the car sure i would like to be autocrossing with it doing some track time uh private track day kind of thing um and then it is up to me to get myself there and pay sure. for accommodations and entry fees and you know we definitely have availability for a title sponsor, ah, for sure. There you go. We're going to get all that information out at the end of the show because we want to make sure that, that you get a chance to get some of that going, too. Um, so now half of Pikes Peak is paved, and then there is the dirt portion, right? No, the whole thing is paved now. Okay, okay. So that helps. You don't have to learn how to race on the dirt before you go to Pikes Peak. True. Very true. <laughs> Uh, I also want to mention, if anybody doesn't recognize the name Johan Schwartz that Ryan talked about earlier, he has he holds the world record for the longest drift, the longest consecutive drift. He's also races with a bunch of different series. He's been at the runoffs last year um, and uh, does a lot of endurance racing. So, um, yeah, he is kind of a legend in the motorsports world and uh and also a great podcast interview so i've had him on a different podcast and we're going to get him on this one one of these days have you ever had a chance to talk with johan oh me personally yes uh actually yes he taught me how to drift at the bmw performance center he was an instructor down there um he, well he tried I'm, he tried i'm not great at it <laughs> Uh, once that back end starts stepping out, I lift my foot and I straighten the car back out. I don't know. I, I have a really hard time keeping the car sideways and, and maintaining a drift. I can always catch the car, and I tend to do that really quick. But, yeah, so he was an instructor of mine down there. So kind of small world, I guess. He, he's, he's a character, ain't he? He absolutely is. At the time, he had a lot of Subarus. Yep. I remember that was his thing. Yep, yep. So yeah, it's uh, and and it, it, the part the hard part about drifting is, as as people who don't drift, our first instinct is to not let the car drift. You you want to you want to you know get it going in a straight line again, and you have to reprogram your brain to say no, this is what I'm trying to do. Um, and I guess once you get it, you get it, but that has to be hard. <laughs> It's, it's incredibly difficult for me. I actually took my blue Mustang down to the Michelin Proving Grounds, and um, Mike Renner from the Performance Center also did his best to teach me at drifting, and still <laughs> yep. wasn't great. I, di I did a little half circle, but it just it wasn't for me. <laughs> so there's a whole bunch of elements that go into doing Pikes Peak. Um, the... One of which is the fact that it ends at like fourteen thousand feet, right? Yes. So, so when you get to altitude, I, I went up to Pikes Peak just in a streetcar, and um, and and when I got to the top, there's a little like state park 
overlook thing at the top of the hill. And I don't think the, the hill climb goes all the way up to that anymore. Um, but if you go all the way to the top, you get out of your car and I'm just never even conceptualizing the whole altitude thing. And I'm walking to the little overlook area and it might be 200 yards and I got 100 yards down the road. I'm not a tiny guy, but nonetheless, I can walk 200 yards just fine. And I had to like take a break and catch my breath. So what are you going to do from a training standpoint to get yourself ready to simulate that kind of situation? Is there anything you can do or do you have some plans on that? I do. Um, and the finish line is very, very close to that building. Yeah, it's pretty close. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I mean, it's almost right there. But um, yeah, so one of the good things I will be able to run oxygen in the car okay. while I'm racing it. So there, there is that aspect. But definitely being in the best fitness I can be in. Um, we're gonna come in over a week early, and I'm gonna be getting acclimated. Right. Colorado Springs is like eight thousand feet. The starting line is at like 9,000 feet and finishes at 14. So just getting used to the elevation, which, you know, I thought I was going to be fine. I actually got to go this past running and the, the 101st running and I worked the top on race day. And oh, okay. I thought I was just going to be great because I live in the mountains, you right. know, but I'm at like 2,900 feet. Right. You know, it, it sounds like a lot to the, the, the low country guys, but <laughs> Uh, to the Colorado people, they're like, oh, you sissy, (laughs) you know, so, um, it, it does take something out of you. And I think getting there early, getting acclimated, um, you know, no drinking, no coffee while I'm there. So it's going to be a little bit of a a lifestyle change, uh, leading up to that and, and getting my body ready for the physicalness of, of doing that. Sure, sure. Um, any other concerns that you have? Um, well, you know, I'm pumping myself up. I'm driving uh, Pikes Peak on my little Xbox simulator. <laughs> I got a little wheel and a little seat and pedal set up. And I, I found a, a game that has the Pikes Peak on it. I don't really get to drive a car that is similar to what I'll be racing, but right. at least I'm... I'm feeling the turns. The visuals are really, really good in the game. Like it has crowds and it and it has the buildings that you pass by as you're going up. So there's really good visual cues in the game. Um, you know, I'm I'm hoping that we we get the funding. I'm hoping that I'm mentally prepared for an entire week of new place racing all night base you know waking up really early racing getting back to you know base camp basically and and getting some rest so just i i think you know worried not worried yeah i'm just trying to be as prepared as sure. i can sure very cool very cool so when do you get to get into that x cart for the first time we are working on that right now. We are trying to get it to my house so I can go to some local autocrosses and stuff. So we're still working on the details of getting the cart to my house, going over it, uh, learning how to drive it. It's going to be a sequential, which I don't know how. I've never, Well, 
I mean, I know how, but I've never driven one. Right. So, you know, learning a new transmission, getting the feel for a vehicle. So I'm I'm really, really, really excited. Yeah, I, I think you won't find the sequential to be that hard to learn. Um, it's it's not like you're going from never shifting before. It's so it's it's just a different pattern, and uh, you'll right. you'll catch it pretty quickly. Uh, I, that 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 should probably be the least of your worries. <laughs> so um, yeah, it just it sounds like a really cool time, a really cool time. We brushed over time trials a little bit, and I know we're probably going to have some folks watching this who aren't familiar with all of the SCCA programs. Tell folks a little bit about time trials because you you've done the time trial national tour, and I think you did the national championships too, right? Uh, so the national, so there's the national tour, and then we have the nationals. Right. Uh, it's not a it's not a cumulative right. championship or anything like that. Every event is its own, you know, winner list kind of thing, and and then there's the regional time trials. If your local SCCA region has access to a, a track typically they'll have a time trials program right and that is not a wheel-to-wheel situation but you will be on track with other cars there's different classes that are uh, your on-track classes or your on-track groupings are going to be based on experience so you can come out having never been on track you right. can come out being a pro level driver right uh, there's a place for you everywhere and and the experience base is more about point buys and passing. So if you're a novice, you're probably only going to be, well, I know for sure, it's my job, uh, is that you'll be pass, point by passing on the straights. Intermediate, you'll be point by passing everywhere. And as an advanced driver, you should right. be comfortable with getting passed without any kind of point by. So for, for, it's kind of like SCCA's version of, version of the HPDE. Um, it's uh, and it and a lot of regions do it in conjunction with a regular race weekend. So uh, it will be a run group on a race weekend, and um, uh, and so you know they'll put it in between the GT1 and the GT2, you know, and the Formula Vs or whatever, and uh, and you get take a tre- your street car out on a racetrack, less expensive than a race weekend. Um, safer than a regular race weekend because you're not supposed to be doing any wheel to wheel racing. That's not to say you can't get yourself into trouble, you know, cause you still, you still have the opportunity to take your car as flat out as you're comfortable doing it. But, um, uh, but it's a nice, it's one of those things kind of like, um, I, I look at, I, I kind of can, uh, talk about the track night in America uh, as the appetizer into the SCCA, you know, kind of gives people a chance to put their big foot in the, the big toe in the, in the pool and see what we do. Um, whereas the, the time trials, national uh, time trials programs are kind of like the appetizer into road racing. It gives you a chance to look at it, see if you like it, want to maybe do a little bit more. Some people never do more than time trials. They love it and they don't have any real desire to go wheel to wheel racing. So uh, it's pretty cool. Um, Gizmo trains ask, is the sequential uh, an automatic transmission? No, Um, it's it's still a manual transmission, but unlike an H pattern, um, first, second, third, fourth, it's it's in a sequence. So you're pulling back three or four or five gears with the Suzuki. I'm guessing that might even be a six speed gearbox in that Suzuki 750. I'm, I'm pretty pretty i have no idea yeah <laughs> i wish i knew <laughs> you won't get, you won't get to seven speeds or six speeds on an autocross course but you might get uh, way up there on, on a time uh, on a hill climb course uh, but it's definitely a manual transmission usually you'll, you'll use the clutch just to get started 
and then you won't clutch going up and you'll blip blip going down, but you'll learn all of that. Um, and you're going to have a blast doing it. So, um, so you do time trials, hill climbs, you do autocross. What do you like the best? Or are they all kind of like your children and you don't want to say anything bad about any one of them? (laughs) I love hill climb. Hill climb is my favorite. Absolutely. There, there's no, no ifs, ands, or buts about that. Um, I appreciate autocross because it, Gives you a chance to really just push your car and find the limit and go over it and then back it up. You know, it's a great training tool. It's great seat time. And then I I love time trials. I, it, it is a competitive event, so you're definitely trying to set your fastest lap. And But, you know, a track is something that somebody can go drive every weekend and it's likely going to be the same track when they show up every time right even at a hill climb it's a it's a public road so a chunk of asphalt could be missing there could be you know debris on the on the road there you know it's just it's just a different kind of thing and oddly enough i feel more comfortable with like the trees and and the stuff close to the road i don't know like it's very odd i know people are like you're so crazy because if you leave the pavement, you're just going to be in the woods. And don't leave the pavement. That's yeah. just the, just don't leave the pavement. So do, do you, oh, now you've got me with a lot of questions. Do you focus to the point where you don't even think about it? Yeah. It's yeah, like, there's, there's hardly any thought process yeah. other than, um, I do think this is going to be one of my biggest challenges with Pikes Peak since you only get one run on race day. Right. Um, I'm a, I like to build up my speed. So my first couple of runs at a hill climb are not going to be anywhere close to my fastest run of the weekend. And, you know, I'm kind of getting used to the road again. I'm, I'm picking up, trying to remember you know, oh, this is one of those turns I need to come in a little bit or I need to go a little wider on this hairpin kind of thing. So, um, but once I'm in the zone and we're, it's time to drive it, it's just, it's all me in the car and just using those visual, visual cues that I've set up for myself. So on a normal time trial weekend, you get several runs, right? Correct. On a hill climb weekend? Uh, On a normal hill climb, sorry, hill climb weekend, right? Yes. Um, Typically, so the the series I run with is the Appalachian Hill Climb Series. We have those three hill climbs, the Dragon, Pine Mountain, and Flag Rock. And the goal is typically four runs a day. And and sometimes it's more. And then sometimes if there's a lot of incidents and, you know, the things have to get shut down, you might not get as many. But the goal is usually eight for the whole weekend. And your best time is your winning time, right? Correct. And it doesn't matter if you set that on your first one right. or your last one. Right, right. Um, so cool. So cool. Um, when you get ready to go through this season, is everything going to be built to prepare you for for Pikes Peak at this point? Your whole program so, this year? So, no. I mean... When you say everything built, I guess there's two ways for me to take that. Is my cart going to be the way it's going to be as I take it to Pikes Peak? No. 
I'm going to have, there's two carts. We'll be taking two to Pikes Peak, but one of them will be here and it'll be a naturally aspirated 750cc while we're prepping the other cart and building the other cart up. Got it. Um, But all of the activity, you know, all the racing, all the seat time that I'm going to be getting. Yeah. The goal is prepping for um, Pikes Peak for sure. Even though I am doing the Tom Charles National Tour at VIR in my, in my white Mustang, which I think any kind of seat time is is good and and great, but I don't really know what a thirty six hundred pound <laughs> you know big heavy car has a you know in common with a nine hundred pound very light car. So right, um, right. One other thing I forgot to mention when we were talking, I'm a little all over the place tonight because you do so much stuff and and things pop in my brain. And uh, one of the things when I when I mentioned that the time trial was kind of like SCCA's HBDE, the one thing the time trial is, is it is a competition. You mentioned that Um, your your laps are timed and in your class, you you someone gets a trophy at the end of the day for first place and whatever and however many trophies they give out for that day in in that particular class. Whereas most HPDEs are, are literally just driving experiences, lap days, track days. So um, there's usually, if you've got a, your own lap timer, you can get your own laps, but they're not usually taking lap times and, and they're certainly not giving out trophies at an HPDE. So Correct. That, that is a and big, so, big um, difference. I actually work for SCCA. Did you know that? <laughs> I, I did know um, that. <laughs> I'm the Tom Trials administrative assistant. So um, I work in Tom Trials. The national tour is uh, they rent the whole track. And so we do have our competitive right. time trial sessions. And this year we are also adding track events. So we do actually have DEs okay. alongside these competitive events. And it it's really, it's really, you know, come to the track and choose, choose what you want to do. So the DEs are a little more than a track night in America. And then, or you could just jump in and get into the competition. Cool. Cool. When, when did you start working with the club? Um, I, my first year was 2022. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So everything kind of happened really, really fast. Uh, I got sucked in by the SCCA. They just <laughs> are such great people and they're, they're really passionate about their motorsports yep. and they were really nice to me. And, you know, I just, I like it when people are nice to me. So Isn't... I hung around and, and they decided to offer me a job and, I guess I couldn't say no because they're so nice. <laughs> and you get to work actually, work in motorsports. Yeah, I do, and that I that was something I never expected. Yeah, and I am really, really grateful. I I love it. Um, I I'm really, really grateful for my job. All right, so this is the part of the show I, I warned you ahead of time. We're going to get to. Uh, first of all. You need some some sponsors to go to Pikes Peak. So, how do people get a hold of you uh, if they want to help you with that program? So, I'm Ryan Cheek Racing on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube. My email is Ryan Cheek Racing at charter.net. So, any any avenue, get in touch with me. I have a sponsor sponsor deck re- ready. So, with all my fancy numbers. Hopefully, you know, um, but yeah, we're definitely looking for some sponsorship. I I have some sponsors that I want to take with me, but this is a really big adventure. And up until now, we've been really grassroots. So, right. you know, we'll see, we'll see, we'll see what happens. Definitely. Definitely. So, um, 
and and we'll put all of that information in the show notes, folks. So if you're listening to the podcast and not watching on the YouTube, uh, don't pull over the side of the road and try to jot that down or try to text it to yourself while you're driving. It'll all be in the show notes. You'll be able to go find it there. I don't want anybody blaming inside the SCCA for their car crash. So we'll get all that info there so you can get a hold of Ryan. Uh, it, you said you do have some fr- friends in, who've, who've helped you along the way, some sponsors who've helped you along the way. Here's your opportunity to give them the big thank you. I definitely want to take a moment and say thank you to Racing for ALS, Hawk, Trinity Farms here in Black Mountain, Black Mountain Tire Connection, of course, my loving family, the Insane Hill Climb Posse, um, (laughs) everybody, the whole SDCA, really, everybody. I think it makes sense to take a couple more minutes, though, and talk about Racing for ALS. Tell me about those folks. Um, Racing for uh, blah, blah, blah. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, you hit my heart, so I get I get emotional, and I'm not I'm not gonna get too emotional. It's okay. I'm getting better at it. I'm getting better at this. So, Racing for ALS is a nonprofit who raises money by holding DEs or HPDEs at different tracks. We have some at uh, Road Atlanta, the Virginia International Raceway. We have one out in California, out your way, I believe, a Button Willow. And then we also are getting one in Texas. And so uh, the point is to fundraise for your day at the track. All that money goes to Racing for ALS. That money goes straight into um, our triple target funding, which goes to ALS TDI, which is a nonprofit research facility, Duke Neurology, another research facility, and then our Patients Assistance Fund, which uh, goes to help people with that need financial help or transportation help that have ALS. And um, it's really important to me. I lost my father to ALS in 2020. Mm, I'm sorry to hear that. Um, But it's amazing that you honor his legacy by doing that program and combining your passion for motorsports into helping out with that. So um, uh, I just wanted to give you a few minutes. If people want to get involved with racing for ALS, how do they do that? RacingForALS.com. Uh, they have a Facebook page, or you can just reach out to me. I'm happy to put you in touch. That's fantastic. Anything else? Any other questions I should have asked you, but I didn't? Any, any, any cra- Do you have any crazy stories you want to share before we go? <laughs> well, I got a couple of guys that are <laughs> my really good friends. And uh, uh, one of them really likes trains. And they both really like BMWs, and and we go around and and we climb hills, and we uh, we just have a really really good time, and I just appreciate them. And that's the Insane Hill Climb Posse. Insane Hill Climb Posse, uh, yeah. is that where Gizmo Trains comes in? Is that where all all, all of the trolling I've been, there, all of the questions I mean I've been seeing? Um, no comment. <laughs> Well, he specifically asks, what's the inside hill climb posse before I asked you? So I have a feeling there might be some backstory there that you're not going to share with me. (laughs) We're a mess. We just like to have, we're all a little crazy. I think every hill climber is a little bit crazy. And um, I met these guys through hill climb. Then we started doing time trials together and they've just become like family to me. So I'm really grateful. Very cool. Very cool. Ryan Cheek, thank you so much. This has been a blast. 
<laughs> Thank you so much, Brian. This really had this really has been fun. You know, you told me I haven't done one of these podcast things going in, and you, you kind of you had nothing to be worried about. You did a great job. So, all right, th that's going to do it for. Uh, where's the button? There we go. That's going to do it for another episode of Inside the SCCA. Uh, stay with us for a whole lot more stuff. We're here every Wednesday night with a live episode. And uh, we do this uh, on YouTube on Wednesday nights. And then we also do it on the Facebook, uh, I'm sorry, on the podcast channel on Friday mornings. It would be great if you would subscribe to the Racing Wire Podcast Network or the Racing Network on YouTube. Hit the like button and all that other fun stuff. That helps us out. Leave a review, too. Reviews are really helpful as well. It would also be great if you would leave a comment on our social medias. You can follow us on Twitter. It's at RacingWireNet. There's a new Inside the SEC every week. I am Brian Belansky. Have yourself a great weekend. Stay safe and go play with cars. Hi, I'm Kelton Jago, and this is Inside the SCCA. Inside the SCCA is a presentation of the Racing Wire Podcast Network and Rural 15 Productions. This podcast is not affiliated with, endorsed, or sponsored by the Sports Car Club of America. The views expressed within are those of the host and our guests, and not that of the SCCA.